0: Hello, welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday message podcast. My name is Rob Dempsey. I'm a leader in our high school ministry here at Brookwood and serve and switch on Sunday mornings. On this episode, our senior pastor Perry Duggar continues in our series on experiencing the presence of God. If you wanna watch this message or listen to this week's worship, just go to our website, brookwoodchurch.org or on the Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you in your walk with Christ.
1: First love has it grown cold, and do you need to be taken back? You ought to encourage us that what we need is not to go back to remember what happened in the past. What we we need to remember is the intimacy, the intensity of that first love brought into the present. Because the memory isn't what changes our life; it's the presence that's going forward today. Take us back to that love of Christ. Do you remember that day? Do you remember when you first met Christ? Y'all answer me now, y'all have had another hour of sleep. Y'all, goodness, I wonder if we can roll back every week an hour. <laughs> so today we conclude our series Experiencing God, I, I hope that it's been beneficial to you. It has been to me. Some things that I thought I knew, I realized I didn't know very well at all. Today's message is entitled, Obey and Experience. Take out your message guide and your outline is on the first two panels if you're new to Brookwood. The theme verse or part of the verse that I have chosen today the three ellipses always means that I left something out but my servant Moses is the leader of my people he sees me face to face and everything I say to him is perfectly clear would you describe your relationship with God that way And you may say, well, I'm not Moses. Well, no, but remember in that day, everyone had a veil between them and God. That veil's been ripped. So nothing separates you from intimacy with God. He invites you into intimacy. And today we focus on reality seven, the last of the realities. And it says, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you so we're going to look at our obedience obedience opens the door to intimacy it's an interesting connection isn't it and first my obedience demonstrates what I believe about God We always live according to our true beliefs. I don't need to convince anybody of that one, right? Not what you say you believe, what you truly believe. We can't do anything other than obey our true beliefs. God heard the cries of the enslaved Israelites, just reviewing. He remembered his covenant promises of more than 400 years earlier to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, Exodus 2, 24. And then he acted by sending Moses to deliver his enslaved people out of Egypt, Exodus chapter 3. But notice what happened early on. This whole series has been basically on the, based on the first four chapters of Exodus, hasn't it? So turn to page 50 in the book that's available here, the Bible. And it's interesting. Chapter 4, verse 24. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. This is on the way to do God's bidding. Doesn't that seem strange? But Moses' wife, Zipporah, was a good name for your next child, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. And then she was upset, you can read. You're a bridegroom of blood to me. Now, there's an insult for you, isn't it? You have caused me so much pain is another way of putting it. Now, see, Moses has just received this great commission, this wonderful assignment, assignment like no other. And he's obediently going back with his wife, with his sons, and then God stops him and threatens to kill him. What's behind this? Here's what I think is behind it Moses had to learn who he was dealing with, Moses had to know. That God expected him to obey the conditions of the covenant. You know, we can think, I know the Bible, so I don't, you know, I don't really have to follow all this. But we never get an excuse to ignore what God has told us, what God has taught us. And so God's telling him right at the beginning of this assignment, this applies to you. And it included not only Moses, but his family. And it would include all of the Israelites he would lead later. Because what would happen if they got out in all this wandering for 40 years and suddenly they all decided, well, the law doesn't really matter. God doesn't matter. God loves us. God's going to do you know, our best. We don't have to ignore anything. And if you read this story you'll see that they went that direction and were disciplined many times for it. And God wants Moses to understand obedience is an expression of love. Genesis 17, 10. And you say, well, there wasn't any law. There wasn't. But in Genesis 17, verses 10 through 14, God said to Abraham, you shall circumcise. You shall be circumcised and all your children, all your sons shall be circumcised as a sign that you belong to me. Now we obey God today. Well, why do you, why do you obey God? Well, that's a good one. I don't know who said that, but that's a good one. But you know what? Not many understand that. We obey God because we trust him first. We trust him because we know what? Come on. He loves us. That's right. We trust him because we know he loves us. which he proved primarily, where did he prove it? At at Calvary. By day-to-day, we could say, oh, God didn't do this, God didn't do that, God's not listening to me. No, no, Calvary answers all of our objections to whether God loves. But he also provides personally, doesn't he? Romans 5, 8, Matthew 6, 25 through 33 but because we know God loves us. You know what? This is the thing. You've got to get this right or you're going to be struggling in your faith all your days. You have to know God loves you. And if you came out of a home that was rather critical and distant, you may struggle there. You must know God loves you. And if you know that, you won't question his directives because you'll understand that he will only and always do what is best for you. We love God only because he loved us first. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, and verse 19. And my obedience, your obedience, is the outward expression of your love for God. Anybody take exception to that statement? We got a little time to argue the point if you want to. My obedience is the outward expression of my love for God. John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments, this is Jesus speaking, and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. See, our obedience confirms uh, this love relationship with God and with His Son. And what it results in is Jesus revealing Himself to us personally, showing us His character, revealing who He truly is. This same passage continues at verse 23. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home within each of them. And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. If I, if you have an obedience problem, what kind of problem is it? It's a love problem. If I have an obedience problem, I have a love problem. You know, that truth can be applied to virtually every relationship you're in, can it? Now, I've heard, in fact, I heard recently a person who was deciding whether to disobey God and was encouraged in her disobedience because she believed God would graciously forgive her after she did it. Y'all never heard anybody thinking like that, have you? Huh? Somebody said I've been there, I think I heard that. But do you see how twisted that logic is? Who sees that that's twisted? You gotta get this. Because I've heard this, I've I've been in ministry something less than 100 years, but (laughs) I've heard this many times through the years. Haven't you, David? Somebody's about to do something they know is disobedient to God, is sinful. And they encourage themselves into it by saying, but God will forgive me. See, what you're saying when you do that is God, because of your love for me, I will disobey, disrespect, and dishonor you knowing that because of the level of your love, you will forgive me. Does that sound like love? I'll bring it home. That's like a husband saying to his wife, I'm going to commit adultery But I know you love me, and I know you'll forgive me. Melvin, how well would that go down? Uh, You'd be looking for another place to live. I don't know if there'd be enough of you alive to find another place. (laughs) But I want y'all to get this. I want y'all to understand this, how crucial this is because it's exactly the same. God, I will disobey you because I know you'll forgive. How twisted. How twisted. And this principle applies not only to the one I just gave in a husband and wife, but it applies to whatever relationships. If I dishonor my parents or disrespect my wife, if I disregard my children, the root cause is that the relationship isn't right. It's not directed and controlled by love. You know, it's no secret. I've told y'all over and over, I came from a pretty dysfunctional home. You said, well, that's obvious. Well, okay. (laughs) I'm better, I'm a lot better. David, I'm better, aren't I? Some of y'all that have known me for a lot of years, but I remember this friend in college, you know, and we were about to do something awful. And he said, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I said, what, why? He said, because I'd hate for my parents to ever find out I, I was willing to do this. And I said, your parents? You're not gonna get arrested. You're not gonna get called. See, in my mind, if you weren't gonna get called and arrested, They'd never know. And there wasn't enough relationship between me and my parents that I would care or reflect on what they would think about me without them ever saying a word. You tracking with me here? Does it matter to us what God thinks about us? should anything be as important as that. See, when we love someone, we, we seek to please them, not only with words, and I don't mean fake words, I mean true words and actions. In other words, when we love God, it shows. When you love anyone, it shows. So, so, Hold the mirror up and ask God's spirit to speak to you in this time and show you, reveal. What does my behavior reveal about my beliefs? Another way of saying it, does my life demonstrate love for God and awareness of God's love for me? You see that? My obedience determines also whether I receive greater assignments. God is growing and developing our faith through assignments. But he's also determining these assignments by assessing our responses. So he can determine what types of tasks to give us. Matthew 25, 21, look at this. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities and let's celebrate together. That's a parable, but the principle is true. In our example of God giving us assignments. When we're diligent, And faithful and earnest in completing the smaller, lesser tasks from God, he gives us greater ones. But you see, the the large assignments require longer periods of preparation. How long was Moses in preparation? At least 40 years at least 40 years, perhaps 80 years, somewhat while he was an Egyptian as well. Because see, God must be sure that we possess the maturity, the strength of character to attempt a more significant assignment faithfully. In particular, without self-centered pride. The scripture is real clear, Beware elevating a new believer too quickly because the deception of Satan which is pride might descend on them. 1 Timothy 3:6, 1 Timothy 5:22. You say, "Well, God's given me something to do, but I'm encountering a lot of difficulties." What's your attitude toward those difficulties? Bruce, how do you feel about the difficulties? You're pressing on. Have you thought that the difficulties might actually be God's gift? Anybody in the midst of difficulty now? Anybody? Have you considered that hardship is God's gift to you? Have you thought that? When's the last time you said, thank you God that I'm miserable? Because if he loves you, then nothing unloving can happen to you, right? So when something's happening, we can say, okay God, you give this by love, I don't know what you're doing, would you tell me? That's what James one says. Count it all joy. In other words, determined to be joyful when you suffer various trials because they develop your endurance. But then the very next verse says, but if you need wisdom about what is going on, ask. But don't be tossed back and forth. Be prepared to hear it and heed it. That's what that passage is about. God can change circumstances. See, you've got this problem and you say, oh God, changes, changes, changes. And he seems stubborn. Anybody dealing with a stubborn God right now? Anybody, come on. I need y'all get honest here. Yeah, a stubborn God. Okay, understand this. God can change circumstances in an instant. So if he's not changing them Why? Why? See, the key question is why? Because he's changing you. And if he changes your circumstances too quickly, you won't grow. And it takes longer to grow us spiritually. It may be that God's delaying an assignment because he sees there's some lingering disobedience. He sees some sin that you've got, you kind of have it hidden under the couch, but it's still there. It's still rooted in. And so he's waiting because he knows that ultimately will prevent your pursuing his work Second Timothy two, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Hold that one up there. See, we think as long as no one knows, it's all right. And God's gracious and he'll forgive. But we might be disqualifying ourselves from God using us. And then the very next passage, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And then he says this, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So not only do we denounce this sin, do we not pursue Christ-like character, but he's encouraging us to spend time with people who are also pursuing Christ-like character because it it helps us, see? It helps you in your struggles with sin to have some some friends, some brothers, some sisters to lock arms with. To help you handle the burden. You see. we our, In our culture we live so closed. We let no one in. We care more about impressing the people. Than we do having their assistance. To become more like God. You see what I'm saying? It may be that God wants you to know his word. Before he gives you a greater assignment. Because. Because particularly in our culture that's changing rapidly and really declining morally you need to know how to respond wisely not hastily, not in anger but biblically to situations you're going to encounter. We cannot step aside from the immorality of our culture. I'm not saying take a Banner and picket, a sign. But I'm saying always be prepared to give the reason for the hopes that's in you and the rationale for God's positions on these moral matters. Don't you see the attack at the church is mounting, particularly over this homosexual issue? And we will face it in the coming generation. We will face it head on. Second Timothy 3.16. So you have to understand how to graciously, lovingly deal with this issue. And if you just go silent because you wanna get along, God can't trust you with greater assignments. We have to know the scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Truth is from God's word and make us realize what's wrong in our lives and in our thinking. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right and God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You have to know God's word if you wanna be used by him. You have to know it. You have to read it. You have to study it. You have to be prepared to give an answer. You say, well, I, don't, I can't know all those verses. Well, then you get a concordance. A concordance lets you look up words. There's some contemporary concordance that lets you look up themes even. You get a tool that helps you navigate our culture Another qualification for a greater assignment is, am I willing to adjust my life to God's calling? Because obedience does often require sacrifice. And the sacrifice might be altering your personal plans for your life. It could be even your preference for where you live. It might be professional goals and ambitions. It might be, y'all hold on to your seat on this one. My desperate need to be liked by everybody. How many of you right now, if you started being truthful about what you think on matters, not in an ugly way, in an honest way, would lose some relationships right now? Yeah. Yeah. So what's holding you back? Now, I didn't say be harsh. I didn't say it. I didn't say be anger. The, the wrath of man never does the work of God. But we need some people of truth planted throughout this culture. When God reveals his plans and purposes to you, your obedience will cost. But let me tell you this your disobedience will cost more. How many of you worked yourself into greater usefulness by God through disobedience? And see, when you disobey God, you know it, your family knows it, everyone that knows you well knows it. You lose your influence, you lose your reputation, you lose your hope in many ways and others see the effect of disobeying God. And one of the, one of the most clear um, results is just spiritual malaise. I don't have any motivation, I don't hear God, I don't wanna serve God, I'm just biding my time. Folks, that's a miserable way to live. It's a miserable way for a Christian called by God to live. And spiritual malaise. And disobedience will put you there. Maybe faster than anything. You say, well, what if I'm not hearing from God? And I want you to understand this. I talk about hearing God. I do not think it's simple, okay? I told you for most of my ministry, I, I had great difficulty hearing from God. I'd heard a few, a few times. And I don't hear from God on every topic now. So don't be discouraged. You may have some other things that need to clear out first. If you don't hear from God, ask this question, do I really know and love God? In other words, am I born again? Am I, do I have your spirit? Do I believe that God loves me and will always do what's best in my life? If you don't know that, you, you've got you've to learn that. You've got to be able to become, become able to hear God's words. We do it through transformation prayer is one way, but you need, if you need someone to help talk you through so you can hear what God thinks of you, that's the one thing I believe he will tell you. He might not even tell you which step to take in some decision, but I believe he will tell you who you are to him, who you are to him. Have you, again, if you don't hear anything, have you responded to what God's already told you? Has God told you something and you refused and God went silent? That's not unusual. That's extremely common. I mean, isn't there anyone who, when you tell them something and they don't, re, they don't obey it or follow it, don't you quit saying anything? Why wouldn't God? Am I obeying God's will in my personal moral life? And this is an issue about sin. Am I, am I, am I asking God to cleanse me like David did? And then am I willing to wait on God's timing? He might want you to just wait. Abraham was 80 years old before God called him to lead the Exodus. He spent 40 years in the desert. He died at 120 years. Am I willing to wait and obey everything I know to do in the meantime? You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, this book is full of what to do's. You don't need a direct word from God when this word already tells you. You see what I'm saying? You ever prayed, well, God, I just read this, but God, give me another answer. Well, I just read this, but God, I don't like that one. Give me another one. Some of you are praying for answers you have already heard. You already know. My obedience also develops my intimacy with God. Psalms 103.7, you know, you could tell I love this verse. He revealed his character to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. More literal is he revealed his ways to Moses. But to the people, he told them the things he'd done. The latter's not faith. Moses knew God personally. But Israel knew information about him. You see, Moses participated with God relationally in the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. We don't know what the relationship was while he was living in Egypt. Certainly there must have been some relationship then as well. But, but we know from the time he began the exodus. Acts 7 Here's some of the events mentioned. Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be the ruler and savior. And then the next one. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, which God performed. Be be sure, be clear of this. The wonders and signs were performed by God. Moses benefited, you see? He led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Boy, we said, well, I wouldn't like to do that. I mean, why couldn't they just go? You know, it only took a couple of weeks to cross the wilderness. You know that, don't you? Look at a map. They had to cross Saudi Arabia. And they kept going around and around and around and around. Why? Why would God take them around in circles? To teach them. But understand this. See some of y'all are frustrated. Because you got this line you're trying to cross. You got a goal you want to achieve. And what you're missing is. What's most important is you're in relationship with God. The end result's not that important. The relationship day by day is what's important. And these people had God with them. In tangible form every single day. Utterly dependent on his provision. God shaped Moses' life as he deepened this relationship. And through many threatening, encouraging, exhausting, frustrating, wonderful, discouraging and hopeful experiences, Moses came to know God more fully, more personally, more intimately. And as he did, he grew in the ability to trust God. But don't miss this. And he grew in the ability for God to trust him. Does God trust you? You ever ask that question? Anybody ever ask that question? Does God trust me? Numbers 12, seven and eight. Of all my house, he, this is Moses, is the one I trust. And I speak to him face to face, clearly not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. Do you want to see the Lord as he is? You know, today and through Christ, all of us have this invitation. Moses was unique in many ways because of his time period. All of us have the Mosaic invitation to see God as He is. Moses learned to trust God as he obeyed God's direction and he experienced God's character functioning in the relationship. When we obey God, He accomplishes His work through us, and we come to know Him through these experiences. Did God need Moses? Does God need me? No. Does God need you? So wait a minute, what do you think? Does God need you? He, then why does he invite us to do his work? Paul said the foolishness of preaching. I think he knew I was going to be preaching one day. I take great comfort in the fact that Balaam's ass preached one time. (laughs) But when he invites us to join him in his work, he's telling us what he's going to do. He's calling you to a love relationship, not to complete tasks. Do you know God personally? Today's the day of salvation. Do you, do, you, or do you merely accept information about him? Are you growing in intimacy with him? Well, how do I know? Well, again, it's like any other relationship. When you grow in intimacy with someone, you become more concerned about their interest, less consumed with your own. Have you ever said, I wonder what God's interested in, in this instance? What does God want from my life? What does God want from my marriage? What does God want from my church? What does God want? We've got a few, a few of you have answered that question. I'd like, for, I'd like to hear from more of you. And if you will, I want you to, if you will respond to a question I'm going to ask you right now. And then I'm going to let you go. Take out your smartphone. Questions on the bottom of your sheet. You'll see it up here. What has God taught you through this series of messages? There's the, there's the number. And I'd like you to respond. I mean, just a one sentence, two sentences. Because I want to know, I want to understand where you are. As I pray, as I plan for series going forward, I need to know that we're tracking together as I I consider what needs to be taught. So tell me, please, what has God taught you through this series of messages? One or two sentences is enough. And just text it, if you will, right now. Counselors, you come to the front of the stage. They're also in the care connection room. it's his first time I've ever told you, take out your phones now and use them. Father, we thank you for this word. But Lord, by your spirit, apply it to our lives. Bring conviction where repentance is needed. Bring hope where discouragement is present. And bring a vision of the future where you're calling us to a great task. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming.
0: Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so you can experience a transformed life. One of the ways you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get connected with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on the Brookwood app. Thank you for listening and have a great day.